Hey Rivers, are you learning how to surf? But are you a kook or a beginner? There is a difference, you know. And since there's many ways to be a kook, tune in this week as Eric Schwab and myself continue a three-part series about how to read a surf forecast and make a call about the best time and place to surf. If you don't know by now, us surfers love to spot a kook. But don't stress it, because we've all kooked it at some point. But the more you know, the less you'll kook it. So pull up your favorite surf forecasting site and get ready to learn. The KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one episode at a time. And hopefully offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education program, The Surf Continuum. Thanks for tuning in for uh, the second of three parts to this swell forecasting uh, introduction, sort of. I mean, it's it's a little more advanced than an introduction, wouldn't you say? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going into some stuff. We're trying to trying to give you the science behind it. Yeah, so I'm sitting here with my good friend, Eric Schwab, who's uh, an earth science teacher and uh, a passionate about... Actually, I consider you a photographer more than a teacher. Uh, but I just felt Most like people it, do. I never know how to introduce myself to people. <laughs> oh, what do you do? Well... Hmm, oh, I'm a teacher, but I'm a photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should just say photographer. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you gotta check his work out. Salty Visions, I'm sure you guys already follow him, but if you do not, go check it out. Uh, Salty Visions with a Z at the end Z of it. Z at the end, yes. Um, yeah, anyway, so I'm sitting here with Eric, and uh, we both, we love to dig into this stuff. Uh, this week we're gonna be covering swell dimensions. Um, the swell basically uh you know we believe that there's three main topics or categories of considerations to make when you are determining where and when to surf and uh just like any surfer tries to be in the right place at the right time and get the best waves we're trying to give you a little introduction to what numbers and variables and kind of information those surfers are basing those decisions on all right so if you haven't listened to uh last week's episode uh, covering kind of wind dynamics and how it affects waves and creates waves even. Um, go check that out first and then uh, tune back into this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to necessarily check it out first. Uh, we, we did structure it so you would listen to it first for yeah, a reason. I thought it would just be m- um, most smoothie that way. But, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, you're going to be able to pick up a ton of information and, and we're going to... We're, we're going to go over some, some of the same things because they're all so interrelated. Yeah. But if you really want to, you know, if you really want to get the full gist out of this whole, uh, this whole surf forecasting thing, you know, we, we do definitely recommend that you listen to wind um, and, then, and then move on to swell because we would not have swell without wind, which mm-hmm. is why we started with the wind. Right. So we covered, you know, uh, that topic. We covered how local wind makes the conditions different and different um, variables to that aspect. So uh, getting into, uh, oh, and before, one last thing is just the tools. Uh, we talked about the tools that you need to get this information. Generally, your, your local surf forecasting site. I think surf lines are pretty um, international, yeah. you know, good guidelines. So if you, if you can access that, um, uh, sometimes people tend to like their local one better and, and whatever, whatever well, it is. Because a lot of times the local one's more accurate. Yeah, you know, well, they're you know. just, yeah, they're more involved in their world. They're part of the world, I mean. So um, whatever it is, find the one that you like and, and figure out how to get your wind information, your swell information, and your tide information. 
and then your live information, like your buoy data. Right. Um, you know, right. I don't know how it is the in real other time. countries, but you know, here in America, we are lucky. They they do allow us access to our buoy data, our offshore buoy data. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, thing. Which is it? a beautiful thing. Um, you know, and and I imagine that there's probably a lot of countries around the world that don't give people to access to those things. So, you know, it, it is part of the. Uh, the American freedom thing, which is kind of cool um, in the fact that we, we do have access to that information um, through the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, uh, NOAA. Uh, we get most of our buoy data through. That's all the live buoy data. There's no forecasting there. Um, I mean, I guess there is forecasting to an extent, but not when you're just looking at the live buoy data. Right. And we, just, we just use the live data to compare it to what has been forecasted. Uh, which is a great segue kind of into the first point about swell. So when, when we talk about swell, there's kind of three dynamics to a swell or dimensions, we like to say. Uh, and the first is height, the swell height. How big is the swell? Um, so let's break that down. Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I just, <laughs> you know, I... I forgot in the first episode that this is, in fact, the kook cast. So we, we, we didn't really hit on kooks much. So I'd <laughs> like to really hit on kooks really quickly um, with regards to uh, swell and swell direction particularly. Um, I remember, that, and there's been several times in my life where I'm talking to a kook and they tell me, I don't get it. There's no waves down here today, but they said it's going to be four to six foot. Well... Dude, our beaches face south, and it's a north swell. The swell's coming from the north. So how do you expect a north swell to hit a south-facing beach? And this is this is really important because this is also a lot of times something that um, the computer models just don't pick up. How can they not? That's a really fl- that's a flawed thing. I think. I think it's a little less now because you know I had told you in the last episode that one of my favorites is Swell Info. Um, I remember a time when Swell Info would forecast that it was going to be you know three to four foot north swell, and because it's a north swell, there was a north wind offshore, and you know you would kind of be misleaded to think that it was going to be three to four foot and offshore in good conditions. Meanwhile, the swell was not even planning on grazing your beach in in the, in the littlest. So, um, you know, I just I, I, want, I did want to point that out. So, swell direction is very important, but of course, swell height. Um, so that's the first point I think is important to talk about. Swell height. Um, right. Swell height, and I what you were saying kind of started alluding to our first point within height. Um, the difference between the surf height and the swell height is basically what Eric was just saying. How you know, Swell Info was forecasting uh, a, a three to four foot north swell. You know what? There was a three to four foot north swell. The thing is the surf height, which is the height of the waves at the beach, was zero because that swell did not hit the beach. Us on Long Island, we face south, southeast, you know, so a north swell is just going straight down. And just, <laughs> like and just to clarify, what kind of swell direction are we looking for? We're looking for some kind of south swell, some kind of southeast swell, maybe even an east swell. Um, you know, east swells do have their, their beautiful moments here on Long Island. But when it's going east, something that we, we're going to hit on is that it's kind of going parallel to the coastline. So you're not getting the full brunt of the energy. When the swell is hitting you perpendicularly at a 90 degree angle, you're getting all of that energy. So swell direction is huge um, when when talking about swell height. Right. Because once again, uh, a surf line or a swell info, you know, if there is a eight foot east swell, they're going to probably forecast that it's going to be eight foot on the beach. But the actual surf height 
is probably going to be somewhere in the three to four foot range. And it especially depends on, uh, you know, how much your beach is really facing that easterly direction. Um, and once again, this is specific to Long Island. I remind you to look into your local um, beach facing direction to determine what is an offshore wind, which was discussed in last week's podcast. And what on what, a, you know, what what's the direct, swell direction is. Right, for... What's a direct hit for your beach? Exactly. So we're talking specific. And direct hits aren't always good either. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into why, why that's true as well. Right, right. So, and the reason why, like, you want a direct hit swell is because there's something called swell decay. When, when a swell is coming from a, a direction that's not straight on, squarely hitting your beach, uh, the swell has to turn. You know, the bathymetry, again, something else we're going to have to talk about in a second, um, but is going to draw the swell into your beach. The, the swell, as it hits shallow water, is going to start to refract and turn towards your beach. But as it does that, it loses energy, and it's called swell decay. So, and that's what's happening. You you, you see on the surf forecasting site, eight foot east swell, you know, talking about a, a, towards a, a south facing shore. It's not going to be eight feet on the beach. You know, it's it's going to be much smaller. What I've come to kind of conclude is generally about half the size, wouldn't you say? On on our east swells here on Long yeah, Island. On our east swells here yeah. on Long Island, and with our only, slow sloping. And once again. The only reason we're seeing that swell is because we don't face due south. We face a little bit east. Right, we have a little window to if it. If this was more of a northeast swell, you're talking zero feet. <laughs> right. Okay, you're literally talking zero feet. You can have, I don't care if it's a 12-foot east swell, uh, not much of that swell is going to wrap in if it is in the, in the northeasterly direction, which is, you know, a pretty rare and almost nearly impossible thing for us to get here on the island because we have land north of us, so you're not going to really get that. Yeah, only um, in those wicked, like, nor'easter conditions. Wicked nor'easter conditions where you'll get a shot of it for a few hours, um, and, and we have spots that we go to for that, too. Right. And, yeah, so, again, talking about how surfers are always trying to be in the right spot at the right time, here's these variables. You know, when the, when the swell is coming from a different direction than is typical for this one area that you normally surf, look around on your map. Is there a beach that faces that direction and takes the full hit of that swell? That's a beach you should go check out. And if, at, if nothing else, at least just notice how the swell is so much bigger there than it is where the swell has to turn and refract into the beach. Uh, even if it's not a surfable wave, you can at least take notice that it's much closer to the size that the actual swell is compared with the one that's the same swell that has to refract and bend towards another beach. I think basically what Chris is saying is, you, and as an educator, I, I know this is sometimes a, a cringeworthy word, but you got to study up. <laughs> um, this stuff, you know, literally, I, w I would say I've been studying this stuff and, and seeing this stuff for, oh man, is it 20 years now? Yeah, 20 years. Um, I've been analyzing this stuff basically since, since I was going down to the beach and surfing and looking at conditions. This was something I'd always been into. I was actually, you know, part of the reason I, I became an earth science teacher and originally went to school for meteorology was because I had this this desire long before I even started surfing, probably around the age of eight or nine, where I was hanging out with friends forecasting hurricanes instead of, you know, playing football. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it was always something I was interested in, even before I was surfing. So understanding local conditions, understanding the storms, understanding uh, swell direction and wind direction, and all of these different variables that we're talking about are so important. But we said we ended the last podcast saying that it's never the same 
So you can only just get a general idea, but the only way you're going to get that general idea is by studying up, knowing which beach takes the best conditions in the best way to put yourself once again in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move on from height because basically we're going to be ping-ponging back and forth between all these like subcategories of swell, the, the, the categories of swell dimension, um, because they all affect each other. But so the next, um, characteristic of a swell that you need to consider aside from height is the interval or the period, a swell period, the, the time between two wave crests or troughs, whatever. Um, I guess it's just easier to measure crests, but, um, so basically this is a deep one. Interval is, is, is pretty, it's, it's Was that a joke? What? This is deep. <laughs> right. And actually the reason Eric is saying that if you know already, or you're, you're going to know in a second, Interval is directly related to the height of a of the surf, uh, the resulting waves or at the, the beach. Or the depth of the surf. <laughs> right. Well, and, the and depth because of the wave. Right. Because well, swell energy traveling through the water. A wave is not, or a swell is not, a moving uh, lump of water through the ocean. It's energy, and and the result is the the ocean lifting and creating what looks like a, a mass of water. But it's energy, and as that energy moves closer to the beach, it comes into shallower water. And, and that shallower water, the bottom of the ocean, starts to lift the energy up higher and higher until it finally breaks. Now, the reason interval is such an important part of that story is because when a wave feels the bottom of the ocean or begins to feel it and, and more and more from there is directly related to the interval of a swell. And so the general rule, the law, is that a shorter period swell will feel the bottom of the ocean in shallower water and every second tacked on to a swell, so a 10-second swell feels the bottom of the ocean. There's actually a scientific formula for this. I should have had it out ready for us. You can go do your own research. Surfline does articles on it. But um, when a 10-second swell feels the bottom is shallower than when an 11-second swell feels the bottom. And a 12-second swell is even deeper. So, Chris, got to stop you for a sec because you're getting way too ahead of yourself here. Okay. We never explained technically what interval or period is or how it happens. Okay. Um, I think we have to backtrack just a little bit when, you, you know, I, I know we talked a little bit about period last time, but yeah, you know, he's mentioning eight seconds, swell, nine seconds, swell. once again, I think he, he alluded to it, but eight seconds, swell would mean that there is eight seconds between the passage of one swell to the next swell, whether it's from the beginning of the swell to the ne- beginning of the next one or the, well, the crest the swell, of it to the, the crest. A swell describes the whole thing, like the entire picture from wave to wave. Yeah. Okay. Wave to wave. Swell, you know, one singular swell to one singular swell. One singular wave to one singular wave. Hmm. Crest always... to crest, peak to peak, trough to trough, whatever it might be. Um, and typically what happens with the period as you start to increase it um, is not only the waves, the, 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 the waves get farther apart from each other, but there's more energy involved. And a lot of times, I mean all the time it's the origin of that particular swell where did that swell originate typically the farther away a swell originates the longer the period will be of that particular swell as well as the intensity of the storm that created that wave um, will also affect the period of the swell okay so so let me summarize so it's further away longer period more intensity longer period yes okay um shorter period made more locally local storm system right you know uh, on the east coast we we this is our scenario typically uh this is our typical east coast scenario it rains the night before 
It clears up the next day, and that's when the waves are good. <laughs> okay, that swell was made locally, and then the swell lasts for six hours. Um, because the swell was made locally, if this swell was made thousands of miles away, the waves would be pumping for days because it's just being continuously made. Here on the east coast of the United States, we literally will have a storm system pull off the coast five or six hundred miles away, and in one night, it generates a ton of swell, wind swell, short period wind swell, um, in the eight, nine, ten second range, that gives us a quick shot with some offshore winds, because now we're on the backside of a storm system, once again going back to the wind thing and local storm systems, and we get a couple of hours of really fantastic conditions um, that are short period as opposed to, you know, a hurricane producing longer period swell from far, far away and the local winds being favorable and resulting in, you know, longer waves that are more widely spaced apart, uh, but have more power to them. And that, that is, I would say as a surfer, uh, there's, there's two big things that you're looking for with period or that you, I would associate with period. It would be power of the wave, longer the period, more power. And then the, uh, the amount I would say that the wave is closing out. Um, typically here on Well, the, that's now we're gonna have to talk about bathymetry. Yes. Yes. And uh, I would it, say it for out. most for any location, Montauk southward, all the way to Florida, you are looking you you are probably wanting a shorter period swell. Because there just isn't really bottoms that can handle that much energy in an appropriate way unless you're talking about massive swell that's getting into places that it doesn't normally break. Right, right. Okay, so we'll come back to that. What I want to do is take everybody back to Revelation Pond. Uh, in my last episode, I talked about how uh, I saw how I had the revelation uh, of what onshore and offshore wind was by standing by a pond on a windy day and seeing, you know, the result of the wind. If you want the full story, go back and listen to that one. Now, at the same pond, one way that you can... Re uh, exemplify for yourself the difference between long period and short period swell is throw a rock in the pond. Okay, where that rock lands is the equivalent of the origin of a storm. And by near that rock is very turbulent, uh, peaky, jumbled up, boisterous water. As that energy bands out away from the disperses. source, it disperses, it lines up, it spreads out, the space between each wave gets greater, the length of each band or swell line increases, and until it dissipates, you know, little by little, uh, but, but very slowly. And that's basically the difference between long period and short period swell. If you have a, 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 a swell generator that's very close to where you intend to surf, you're going to be dealing with more peaky, boisterous conditions, as opposed to when you have a generator that's thousands of miles away, uh, and, and that energy has time, just like that the ripples from the rock have time to travel across the pond and organize themselves. And, um, like and, the kid in the corner of the pool with the bouncing up and down with the inner tube creating little waves in the pool. Yeah, yeah. That source just keeps producing those waves. And the really interesting thing that I was just thinking about as you were saying it is, you know, one of the things that, you know, we look at when we're looking at swells, specifically these longer period swells that are originating really far away, is how intense the hurricane is or the, whatever the storm is and how the, the intensity of it will ebb and flow. And you'll be able to see that in the swell. You might get one day where it's pumping and then the next day the swell comes down a little bit. Well, it's because in, in that moment that those swells were made, that storm intensity 
got less intense. Right, right. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I was just thinking of that, and I thought that's kind of a cool thing to add in there. You know, we will literally look if, if a, you know, if we're watching a hurricane and and, and we're planning what they, you know, how we're gonna surf, where we're gonna surf, and we see that 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 hurricane goes from a cat five down to a cat three. Well, we know that there's gonna be a major drop in swell at some point during this swell, especially if it goes back to a cat five, because what's gonna happen is then the swell is gonna start pumping again. Um, which, you know, relates once again back to the intensity of the wind and the intensity of a storm. Right. All right, so uh, should we try and, and talk about how bathymetry and interval are related? Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think... Because uh, I love this. This is actually one of my favorite. This is one yeah, of Yeah, you always get into this with me. We always get into it. I love, I love the chart that you have hanging up in your house. Um, yeah, because, because so the more you come to discover, like look at swell and realize that every time is different, even though it seemed the same as last time, you'll eventually come to realize that the bottom of the ocean has a lot to do with how waves uh, are formed, how they're either killed or, or boosted. Um, bathymetry is, is the ocean floor depths map. Um, just like to topography is an elevation gradient or an elevation map of the earth uh, on land, bathymetry is a depth map or gradient of the ocean floor and so there's just so many things uh, there's so many ways that that affects the swell and the way we what we were talking about before is how longer interval swell will start to feel the bottom sooner let's get to the point where we were talking about how you know long period swell means closeouts yeah you know and i'm relating that to sandy beach breaks right sandy beach breaks and slow sloping which isn't always the case Either because you can go to a place like, uh, you know, Skeleton Bay, which is a sand bottom, but it just depends on, you know, and they but get these But that's also period. direction. The direction. It's the direction. direction so once is, again, is, this, you know, this is just a large, twisted up variable thing that, you know, every place is different. And that's why studying it, studying your particular location is super important to do in order to be successful with this whole right. swell but forecasting Right, but you know, another reason why like Skeleton Bay doesn't close out is still bathymetry because it's not slowly sloping. It's it's ledge. It's a shelf. You yes. know, like th that's coming from deep water where the ocean, where the waves can't feel the bottom at all, and then suddenly into shallow water where they fully feel the bottom. And so what happens? The wave jacks and ledges. And if you haven't seen that wave, go look it up. Skeleton Bay, Namibia, or how Namibia, how do you pronounce yep. it? Africa. Go look it up, and you'll see the way that wave gets so tubular is not just because the wind's offshore. It's because those waves are coming from deep water where they feel no bottom whatsoever. And then like a person running full speed and getting tripped o tripping over a wire, just falling forward with incredible intensity. And uh, for and for our, our more advanced uh, surfers who, who do a little bit of traveling, um, I've had this conversation with a lot of people and a lot of people always ask me like, you know, locally bound people, people who are in the Northeast, who, who will do the New Jersey trip, who will do the New York trip. And everyone's always like, I don't get it. Why are the waves like so heavy and so powerful and perfect in New Jersey? And I feel like the best days on Long Island don't compare to, to even like the mediocre days in New Jersey. And this is because, at least in my opinion, of bathymetry. Uh, the continental shelf. We have a we have about what is it like? Is it a hundred miles? I don't know. Of shelf on Long Island. We have a long, shallow it's shelf. It's a long, shallow shelf that. Anytime the period goes over, what do you have mapped out? Like nine or ten seconds? Yeah, easily. It's it's hitting the bottom like a hundred miles off the well, coast. Well, no, no, nine or ten lose... seconds is like six, uh, 
40, 60 miles out. Okay. But still, like any swell, that's not even long periods. Just yet. starts dragging along the bottom, and it, we don't get that full brunt of power. And if you look at the map off of the coast of New Jersey, they have a continental shelf too. It's the same one as ours. It just doesn't go out as far. And that swell has more of an opportunity to come in a little bit more directly and then kind of hit this shelf and start heaving over, which is why you get those large barrels in New Jersey. And, you know, a lot of, not that you don't get barrels here on Long Island. Um, you you got to find the right spot that probably has some kind of deep little canyon off the coast that allows it to barrel. You can, uh, once again, if you want a, a, a reference to read about this stuff, you can go on to Surfline. And they do, uh, they do these really awesome analysis of bathymetry and one of the ones they've done is uh is Lido Beach in Long Beach and they talk about the Hudson Canyon which is an extension of the Hudson River it's actually a hole on the bottom of the ocean where swell gets funneled into and directed directly at Lido Beach producing even if it's a longer period swell this generally peaky large tubing wave which is right. really cool some other ones they've done um that i've read and i find so fascinating uh like waimea bay in hawaii and the mechanics of how that works and pipeline and how that works and you know and then when you go to a place like pipeline how there's three different breaks there's outer reefs that will break if the swell gets big enough once again bigger the swell longer the period it's going to break further out um, so these are all really, really interesting things. Um, and there's really cool uh, like video graphics that they put on those websites that will make a lot of the things that Chris and I are talking about, specifically today, talking about swell and bathymetry, make more sense to you. Yeah, yeah, because this, this is a tough one to really just audibly explain. I mean... Oh, I wish I had diagrams. I wish I, wish I had PowerPoint right now because... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then so going back to so the way the reason we always describe like that longer periods well once it starts getting up to 12 seconds around here we're like uh oh like close that we're gonna have to find that spot where the swell either gets focused or there's some you know local bathymetry like a reef or some sort of structure some sort of geography that breaks the swell and forces it to bend so that it doesn't close out and uh, so one of the reasons why you know the North Shore of Hawaii or or California gets like beautiful long lines that break section by section and doesn't close out is because the local bathymetry reefs points geography causes swell to wrap and and enter water in varying where it's varying depths so the the shallower part of the wave is going to break and then as the wave comes in it'll break section by section whereas here we have just these long slopey shallow sandbars that do very little to, to jumble up the swell line and, and generally a big long period swell line breaks in a big one section that we call a closeout. Um, so yeah, we're doing our best to kind of cover that stuff, but this is topics that we didn't just read an article and understood right away. It was like, you read the article, you try to wrap your head around it, you go to the beach, you kind of see like, oh yeah, look how it's breaking like that here and there. Oh, that's why that wave breaks that way. And you know, just again, what Eric said, study, study and look and, and, and figure it out and, and just know that this topic exists and it has a lot to do with how waves break uh, bathymetry. Um, all right. Uh, should we talk about direction? Swell direction? Swell direction, yeah, sure. Um, all right, so covering height, we, you know, the, again, we have three and, dimensions. And, you know, I don't think we, I, don't, I actually don't think we did a great job covering height, but, uh, you know, the swell height is going to be uh, largely, you know, your comfort zone. Um, and I, I think that's the best thing to say there, you know, like for, it's going to be a little different for everybody. If, if you're a new surfer, you know, you you might be looking for that, you know, two to four foot swell height. 
if you're a little bit more experienced or, or, or maybe you just like big waves and you want to go, you know, then you're looking for those buoys to be maxing out, um, provided it's going to provide the right conditions. And swell is all, the, the height of a swell is also directly related to period and how it looks in the surf. And something that Chris and I were joking about earlier, uh, one to two foot Hawaiian waves or one to two foot Hawaiian swell would appear to be probably like four to eight foot on the faces on the beach. <laughs> right. Well, and that's just this beautiful, unique, you'd think that God is a surfer if he created the earth and then he created Hawaii to be a perfect surf spot because all these dynamics are beautiful. They're open to long period swell, far away storms. They have the bathymetry that stays deep until the very last moment when the swell reaches shore. Yeah, because remember, Hawaii is nothing but a volcano on the bottom of the ocean floor that pokes out. So right. that water gets so deep there, which is why the waves in Hawaii are so powerful. Because that water, not, nothing is stopping the energy in the water right. until it hits the beach. And that's why it unloads. And it's one of the most magical places on earth where you can go there. And sometimes sleeping at night during a big swell is hard to do because you the ground shakes. Wow. That energy is fully unloading on that reef. Um yeah. Yeah. So long cool. period swell, even if it's one foot, it's at 18 seconds, it's kind of gets focused and jacked up off the bathymetry. And geez, man, you'd, you'd say that wave is four foot and, and they'll tell you it's one foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So direction, the last dimension of a swell, um, which uh, we kind of did t touch upon already talking about how like a swell that's not directly hitting the shore will be smaller than what the swell height is. Even if it's at the buoy, you know, saying like, oh, the swell, eight feet, and you go to the beach and it's four, you know, did you forget to check the direction? Because it's probably not hitting directly. Yeah, and, you know, a very common direction, once again, for us to get here on Long Island is east swell. Uh, you know, and, and this is the time of year where our east swells start really kicking up. And east swell, it side swipes us. It's not a direct hit. So what we see on the beach, and, and that can vary from beach to beach too. On, on Long Island, you know, it's not a perfectly straight island. So we have areas of the beach which face a little bit more south. And we have areas here on Long Island that face a little bit more east. So, you know, if you go to an east-facing beach during an east swell, you're going to see a lot more swell. If you go to a very south-facing beach on an east swell, it's going to be missing it. And a lot of times it's kind of cool. You, I mean, it's not cool, but it's cool. You can look out on the horizon and see the swell passing. Mm. Um, you can literally see the ripples on the horizon, which is, is pretty neat. Um, keep in mind, all the things we're talking about is going to be, uh, you have to figure out what the best swell direction is for your location. Um, if, if you had to really ask me, I would say a lot of times I don't like a swell that's going to hit us necessarily directly. Um, especially once it gets longer period, because I know it's going to close out something that's going to side swipe a little bit more, just a little bit of an angle, maybe a, maybe a, you know, an, uh, an east southeast swell or a southeast swell or, or my favorite rare one, a southwest swell. We'll get lots of rights here on the island, which is pretty rare. Um, the direction of the swell is pretty important coupled right. with the period and the height. Right. And the wind and the tide. And, and the wind and the tide. But we got rid of that. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, no. I, I get it. But so I'm just trying to just keep hammering home how it's not any one of these things that is makes greatness. It's a combination. Hence why we're on part two and still got one more to go, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. And so and just in keeping with, you know, 
being the kind of surfer that's at the right beach at the right time, direction, you know, that's part of it. So if you see East Well, don't go to your west facing beach, don't go to a south facing beach, try your best to go to some sort of an east facing beach where it's going to pick up that swell. Uh, wherever you are in the world, so you know, west swell, try to be on a west facing shore, not a, not a south one necessarily, or you know, oh man, I, I'm just thinking about how much deeper it is though, because there's sometimes so you do want to go there. No, it's a, lot Jeez, of times, a lot of times you want to be sideswiped by the swell. Right, you know, right. Like for instance, if it's you know, a place, a place that this is very obvious and, and also part of the reason why the waves get, in my opinion, really perfect here, New Jersey again. New Jersey faces east. If I see a dead east swell coming, I typically will not go to New Jersey because I know it's going to be hitting the beach so directly and just shutting down and closing out. Whereas a lot of times, some of the best swells we get are these big south swells that kind of like sideswipe the beach and just peel up the beach in these just most epic cylindrical tubes that you can ever imagine. Um, you know, do you do I necessarily want a dead south swell? No. I like southeast, southeast. is going to be the magic one. Um, you know, so these are all things that you, you once again you have to figure out for your particular location. Your, your particular bottom, your particular, you know, and what we're going to get into next, your particular tide cycle, your tide heights. There are places in the world where, where the tides fluctuate by 40 feet. And that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge indicator of where you're going to, what beach you're going to have your toes dug into. Right. If it's going to be a beach or an ocean by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, it's just all this stuff for you to, to be considering when you look at the forecast and when you look at the buoy. Don't just look at the height. Also look at the interval of the swell and the direction so that when you go to do your studying and your observations, you have that in the back of your mind, you know, and, and you're not wondering why the buoy just said eight feet and it looks like it's two foot out there. And one, one last thing I, I want to kind of mention, uh, because I think it's important, is that uh, you know, as you do discover wherever it is that you live and uh, as you kind of discover which swell affects which, you know, if, if you go out to a place, and I'm going to be specific here, like um, California, you go into Northern California and, and you look at a wave like Mavericks, uh, which is a big wave surfing spot, um, you could go to a beach just down the road and the swell is significantly smaller and it looks absolutely perfect. Um, whereas you look at Mavericks and it, it looks like 40 foot monsters coming through um, on the same swell. So know that, you know, it's not, oh, you know, if you see a 40 foot swell on the buoy, there might be places to what I always call, might be places to hide. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Around the corner where the wind might actually be even better and more favorable and, and the full brunt of the swell is not getting in there. Um, you know, here on the East Coast, we're usually looking for our swells to absolutely max out because even maxed out swells on the East Coast, you know, although sometimes can be out of our comfort zone, are, are not always that big. Um, but when you go to places, you know, out west and in the Pacific Ocean, bigger ocean, chance for a longer period swell, which is not something we really hit on, but because the Pacific's bigger, they get more long period swell. Because, no, you said that, like the distance. Well, of yeah, the we alluded to it. Um, Look, the know, fact of the matter is we're not going to be able to, like, cover all this in, in a, you know, this is just a short little podcast compared to the scope of this information. No, but I totally think it was, it, you know, it's worth mentioning that, you know, one beach can be showing a ton of swell and then literally just around the corner, no swell is showing. And sometimes I'm even just absolutely perplexed by it as to how that's even possible. Like, oh my goodness, it's flat at this beach, but the beach I just came from a couple of miles away well, you're not perplexed. You know exactly why. Because uh, of symmetry, because of largely. interval and refraction. You know, like a place like Mavericks has an offshore canyon that focuses the swell at it. So when this long period swell that feels that bottom falls into this 
you know, Funnels funnel of a canyon, energy it into focuses one small spot. that swell and it points it straight at that Mavericks yes. Reef. As opposed to just down the beach, uh, the, the swell energy is actually redirected. You know, because all that swell energy is getting focused at Mavericks, that means right next door to Mavericks on either side is much less swell. Yeah. Uh, so it, it come, it's back to bathymetry and refraction. Um, I think that's that's not bad for swell, huh? What do you think? Do you yeah, have any I, other I points? Think, I think we hit a lot of points, you know? Remember what we talked about last week, wind, um, because those two things <laughs> go very, very, very much together. You can't, you can't really... You can't separate uh, these things. No, you cannot separate them. Only in podcasts. Um, so... <laughs> So just just keep in mind that there are lots of variables we're talking about here, and uh, and when you're talking swell, it's it's largely going to be your comfort zone. Um, but remember that there there is always places to hide in case it does seemingly um, seemingly is out of your comfort zone. Right, like you said, forty foot swell, or well, I don't know if that's really much happens all that much. Well, I guess in the Pacific you'll get a swell that passes by a buoy and creates a forty foot reading. Um, but generally, like, if you see a massive reading on the buoy, it doesn't necessarily mean that every single beach is going to have that size. Fair. So find your beaches that can uh, mitigate the swell, that don't focus the swell. Um, yeah, so if you guys are, uh, if you're not subscribed to the Coopcast, you got to hit on iTunes uh, or, or Stitcher or whatever thing you listen to, podcast directory, and uh, subscribe. And they all have these little rating systems. We super appreciate your rating. Um, and, and your comments, good or bad, you know, like I don't mind criticisms. We want to get better at what we do. And uh, you got to hear the, the good and the bad to do that. <laughs> so please let us have it. Or you can just write it in uh, privately to email info at thesurfcontinuum.com. Uh, I'm sitting here with Eric, Mr. Schwab. And next week we're going to be talking about Tide. So make sure you tune back in next week to round out this series and, and start wrapping your head around how to determine, make educated guesses about what the ocean's going to look like where you want to serve. All right, so we'll catch you next week when we talk about time. Woo.